everyone. Welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy Blair. And uh, before we get into it, I want to apologize for the two-week gap of no episodes. He's going to say it's not my fault, but really he does blame me. 100%. It's not Jeremy's fault. Uh, I didn't have an episode planned after our biopics episode, um, which is that's my fault. I should have had one on standby, but I was I, I completely spaced. Um, and then Father's Day was around the corner, so that... That took precedence for me and Jeremy both. So. Now, here's a question. Do you have one on standby for next week? I will have one on standby. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Because <laughs> uh, if... Uh you know, if if my mom does stay in town for another week, then yeah. yes, I will have one. Okay, great. If not, uh, well, I've been toying with this idea, and, and, and you know what? And everyone can hear this idea. I've been toying this idea. If I can't get a guest, I'll do like a quick little episode myself. Okay. Um, like I wanted to do uh, a follow-up to our biopics episode and talk yeah. about Rocket Man. Okay. Since, you know, I still finally saw Rocket Man yeah. and uh, wanted to give my thoughts. Gotcha. Uh, but just like just like a quick little like 30, 45 minute yeah. episode of just me. Yeah, like a Bill Burr, Chris D'Elia sort of thing. Yeah, I yeah, get yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I might start doing that if I can't get a guest. But um, but anyway, and uh, we apologize for the uh, two week gap. Yeah, welcome back. By the way, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the saddle. I know. Yeah. So today. Um, this, this episode is actually about a week in the making. We planned it uh, last week, and uh, with Father's Day, we decided to spend time with our dads. Uh, so this week, uh, we are going to be discussing a movie that um, really kind of set the, uh, the groundwork for, would you say, for all mafia movies or I wouldn't only because you know we have you know like the James Cagney stuff uh, from the 30s and 40s and then we have you know um, the oh man what is his name it's Edward something it doesn't matter Uh, (laughs) so no but it did sort of reinvent uh, the genre really give it a a fresh taste yeah Um, and Obviously, it worked because, oh, you know, yeah. without it, we wouldn't have a whole bunch of other stuff that we'll discuss later. But. Yeah, yeah. And, we're, and we're definitely going to talk about all the references that these movies have now given us right. now, uh, almost 40 years later. Um, and today we're going to be talking about The Godfather, uh, specifically Godfather Part 1 and Part 2. Um Because as it's been stated to me by not only Jeremy himself, but my mom... Um, my uh, wife's grandmother, her Mima. Uh, part three is garbage. Yeah. So we will not discuss part three. No. Also because it took him 16 years to make. So even to me, that's like, yeah, screaming. It took too long. It was, you know, it, it's the gap, right? So it almost, it feels really disconnected from the other two. Right. right? Um, you know, with... With part one and two, they were shot. I mean, not really back to back. I think he did the conversation in between part one and part two. Right. Because um, I mean, yeah, it came out two years later, so right. it. Yeah. So, but them being so close together, them being you know being able to play themselves, like in part two, you got to see the flashback of them at the dinner. T- I'm jumping way ahead, but they're jumping. Yeah. You know, they're at the dinner table, and you know, James Conn's back, and you know. And, uh, and those other people are back. I have their names written down somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're in that book right there. Um, but anyway, 
Right. Part three. No, we're not going to talk about it. Um, so any Godfather Part three fans out there, uh, I know Joel Schumacher probably is one of them. Oh, I guarantee he is. <laughs> I guarantee he is probably like, oh, that's my favorite one. I know. You're not, you're not going to talk about it? Ah, oh, I mean, that's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, but to, to anyone out there who actually likes Part three, we apologize. Well, actually, we don't apologize. I don't. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> so uh, I don't apologize. So let's just get right into it with uh, 1972, The Godfather. Godfather. Um, so before, like, I, I really want to talk about how, like, just beautifully shot the yeah. movie is before we really get into, like, the, the point of the movie. Like, you know, it opens with with, with Don Vito Corleone. Cor, Cor, oh Corleone. Corleone. Great. Uh, God. Uh, Marlon Brando. Uh, <laughs> uh, in his... Uh, would you say his prime? No. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, I wouldn't. Uh, I would say his prime would be like maybe on the waterfront of Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, this is, of course, his, after or, the fact. Or would you say his heyday then? Um, I probably wouldn't say that either. I would, <laughs> Just, I would say uh, Francis Ford Coppola's like, cool, I can have Marlon Brando in my movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just from that opening scene where we see him in his office on, uh, on Connie's wedding day. Yeah. And the whole set is just black, and you you only see the important stuff. Right. You know, that alone, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's not shot like a typical <clears throat> '70s film, right? Mm-mm. What we think about when we think of '70s films. Very bright, very. You know, and you know the camera movements are you know sort of like that moving, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're constantly moving. You know, we have the the quick pans. We have the the zooms right Mm. uh, in typical 70s films but not this one this one doesn't really do that Um, and so it feels you know I mean to me it just feels sophisticated it feels like you know it's taking its time it's showing you what you need to see it's not doing anything fancy what I mean what you see is what you get and it's brilliant right Right. yeah oh yeah definitely Um, because like like I, I've always thought Francis Ford Coppola is a, a very talented director. Of course, you know um, the Outsiders. Um, that was your go-to. <laughs> that was your go-to Francis Ford Coppola movie. You're not even going to start with Apocalypse Now. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen Apocalypse wow. Now. <laughs> Or the conversation, or you know what, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, well, just I mean, when you know he's 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 uh, uh what's his name uh Nicholas Cage's uncle. That is true. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> but no, I, I've always known that Francis Ford Coppola uh, is a very talented director, and he he knows what he wants out of a scene. Yeah, you know, unlike you know, we were kind of talking about this director earlier, you know, Stanley Kubrick, who you know had to have perfection. Right. You know, talking about the, what was it, 127 takes in The Shining? Or Shelley Duvall. Or they're walking back. It's the, the scene where they're walking up the stairs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, anyway, so if anyone hasn't seen The Godfather, it, it's about the mob in the, uh, the, the 50s, 40s? Uh, it is um, late... It starts in the late 40s. Um, they don't... Because yeah, Michael's coming back from World War II. They don't give you a timestamp, right? Um, uh, yeah, you don't get a timestamp until part two. And not even then. I mean, you do for Vito's backstory, right? Right. 
but only a couple of times. So, well, no, d- during the hearing, because when Michael is 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 answering the senator's questions, they right. I, I think they say like, in, "Is it true in 1947 you killed?" Oh, that's right. Such and such. That's right. Maybe um, it was Sterling Hayden's character is the the. The chief of police, or whatever. The chief of police, and yeah. uh, and then and and the guy who was trying to who I can't think of his <laughs> guys. Name. We saw the movie, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to just ramble about a movie that we only know half of. Right. I mean, I've I've seen both movies. I just don't remember the guy's name. I'm really sorry. Um, um Salonzo, right? No, that sounds sort of right. Whatever. <clears throat> Move on. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> But yeah, uh, it's it's like uh, late forties, early fifties. Usually, you can tell that it is. Post World War II, but but I mean, right at the end of World War II, is um, cars have wooden bumpers still. Okay. So uh, it's a really cool detail that they put into the movie where uh, during World War II, they would donate their metal bumpers to right. make things for the troops or for right. the war. So, like bullets, guns, whatever. Um, Cans. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so if you look, um, cars will still have wooden bumpers, right? So they haven't okay. had them replaced yet. Yeah, and Michael is, is coming home from World the War. War II. Yeah, that is right. Um, so it's about the mafia in the uh, late forties, early fifties, and specifically the uh, the Corleone family. Corleone family, uh, which Don Vito, uh, uh, Marlon Brando is the dad. James Con, Sonny, his oldest son. I don't know who plays Frito. Oh, that's um, John Chazelle. Okay, first off, John Chazelle. We have talked about John Chazelle in the podcast before. I know that because I'm a huge John Chazelle fan. All right, I might not be a Fredo fan. All right, that will become very apparent throughout the recording of this. But yes, I am a huge John Chazelle fan. What else has he been in that I might? I will tell you exactly what all he's been in. He was in. The Godfather Part 1 and 2. He was in The Conversation. He was in um, Dog Day Afternoon. He was in The Deer Hunter. Yeah, literally only seen two of those movies, which is The Godfather Part 1 and Part 2. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. And then, of course, um, so so Fredo, the middle son, and then, of course, the, the, the most famous son, Michael Al Pacino, is the youngest son. I will make a correction. Uh, Fredo's the oldest. I thought it was. No. I thought Sonny was born, but in his backstory, uh, Vito's backstory, they said Sonny was was born first. Fredo was born first. He was the firstborn son. He was the 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 baby in the uh, in the apartment when they were uh, when they were living in that small apartment in New York before he was involved in any sort of organized crime. Really? Yes. I guess I must have missed that while I was watching part two because I could have sworn that Sonny was was the oldest. No, but they would never give Fredo that kind of responsibility, right? Because Fredo's garbage. Fredo <laughs> is the worst son. So, so you mean to tell me the middle son, Sonny, already wanted the seat of Don? Uh, was going to overstep his older brother? Yes, because even when Sonny died, Michael overstepped Fredo too, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. Fredo's the oldest. Fredo is also the most unreliable and the most irresponsible and the dumbest one. Yeah. Hands down. That's, if anyone uh, hasn't seen The Godfather, no, or First has... Off, do not listen to this. Shut just, this off. Just go watch the Go movie. watch it. Come back. Uh, but... 
<clears throat> at one point in the movie, uh, Don Vito uh, has an attempt on his life made, and the reason uh, being he didn't want to get into the drug trade, right? Uh, because you know he he knew it would. It's a nasty business. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like no. the idea of it. He wants to stick with the gambling and the guns, and just, just you know be him. Vito wants to be Vito, yeah. and people want to change Vito. You know what? You can't. Yeah. All right. Uh, but but you know Fredo was the one on duty. Watching the Don, who coincidentally is also his father. Right. And the attempt is made. He's shot like what? Five, four, it five, five. It was five times. Five times. And uh, Fredo uh, fumbles his gun like a dunce. Drops it. Drops it. And then sits there and bitch cries <laughs> while his dad is bleeding out in the street. Yep. Uh, Doesn't ask anyone for help. He's just, you know, it's like he's just crying there. I get it that he's in shock or whatever, you know. But you would think a like, son would be trying to get him into the car and to a hospital. To quote one of my favorite movies, Warrior. Do your job, Josh. All right? <laughs> Do your job, Fredo. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah, and, and, and even Don, even Vito says, like, you know, where's, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Pauly. Yeah. Yeah, where's Pauly? Oh, he, he was sick, Dad. So I'm here. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even supposed to be there, but still, he could have done something. Well, he gets his, too. Oh, yeah, Pauly gets his. Oh, boy. And, and, and they take his cannoli. They, well, it was the other guy's cannolis. All right, so <laughs> he he was like, my wife asked me to pick up cannolis. Right, so we're going to pick up cannolis, and then we're going to go do this. And so when they get to the place and they shoot him, right? Spoiler alert. They, <laughs> they, they shoot Polly, And he's like, you know, where we get the famous line, leave the gun to the cannolis. Which I heard that that was not... The actual line, the the line was take the gun, but the the actor who, who was playing uh, I don't remember his name, yeah. uh, said take the cannolis because he he felt like it would make him seem much more like cold that they just murdered someone. Right. Well, because and also his wife asked for the cannolis. That's true. Right. So he need he needs them when he gets home. <laughs> he needs those cannolis. He need, he needs to come home with some cannolis, <laughs> or else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and nothing is. Uh, scarier to an Italian man than the mafia than an angry wife. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, but anyway, so uh, <clears throat> so Al Pacino is the youngest brother, Michael, who, as we mentioned, he comes home from World War II. Um, he wants nothing to do with the family business, and he knows that the family business is is it's the mob, uh, but he, has, he do, uh, doesn't want anything to do with it, and Swears to Diane Keaton, his girlfriend, Kay, that he will n- that that's not me. That's just that's my family. That's not me. Uh, but when the Don is a, a, a attempted assassinated, um, Michael's the only one who come who who goes to the hospital to see his dad, but he knows something's wrong. Right. And Michael's the only one who was smart enough to we need to get my dad. And, Right. Somewhere safe. Right. And decides then and there, okay, I'm going to get involved now. You you came after my dad. Yeah. So now. And can I just say a very, very cool cameo performance by Sterling Hayden, who we've talked about on this podcast before in the, our film noir episode. Uh, he was in both The Killing and The Asphalt Jungle. Uh, if you're also big fans of Stanley Kubrick, uh, he is also in... Um, Doctor Strange Love. Um, yeah, which I, uh, I'm going to be honest, I just recently learned that was a Stanley Kubrick movie. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, and so was The Killing, by the way. Oh, no, uh, I knew that. 
So Sterling Hayden plays the chief of police. Yeah, the corrupt uh, chief of police. Right, very corrupt. He's in he's in the drug trade. Yeah, uh, right? he's getting a, he's getting a slice from the the guys who try to kill Don. And Don can Vito. I just say if you got the opportunity to get a slice, you know, of of anything, go for it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he was wrong for doing that. I'm saying he was wrong for disrespecting the Corleone family. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When they when they break Michael's jaw, <laughs> with, I mean, he must have punched him hard enough to to break his jaw in one punch, or specifically hit him. Yeah. Right was, in his jaw. That was a that was a prosthetic or whatever that he had to wear for a long time. He was, he was that way in a lot of scenes. Um, yeah, after that, but when it, yeah. When he goes to Sicily, he's still got he the still, bruise. Yeah, he still yeah. has, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it gives you sort of a timeline of how long he's there. Uh, I guess if you know how fast it takes <laughs> to heal from that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I don't, I've never had my jaw broken. <laughs> Me either. Don't want my jaw broken. Well, I mean, I'll, I mean, let's <laughs> see. I mean, we don't know what it's like, so maybe we'll love it. Um, but then, you know, uh, Michael's the only one that has the idea. Well, I mean, they, they, uh, Sonny wants to have, right. uh, uh, Sterling, uh, uh, the chief of police and yeah. the dude, we're just, we're just gonna call him the dude. Cause I don't, swear to God, I can't remember his name. That's okay. I mean, we, you have a computer in front of you, but I mean, yeah, I know. Um, it's not a big deal, but, uh, but you know, Sonny wants them killed, but you know, Killing a chief of police isn't uh, the best thing to do. Right. And so, but, you know, Michael's really the only one who was like, well, I'll do it. Yeah. And then just get me out of here. They don't, you know, they see me as a civilian. Right. I'll do it. And that's where we get the famous um, uh, restaurant Louise, scene. Yes. Yeah. Where um, he goes into the bathroom and has a gun. Um, okay. So... <laughs> I love this scene, right? But mm-hmm. I also love the stuff before it. So it's sort of like a mini, mini montage, right? Right. Where he, where he's being taught how to use the gun, use the gun, what to do afterward, how to conduct yourself after you've done it. You know yeah, you what don't, you need to be doing. Yeah, you keep your head down. By you the don't way, want, didn't do any of it. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I noticed that as soon as he got out, he. he beeline for the car. Right. Well, and not only that, as soon as he got out of the bathroom, he sat down. He sat back down, right? So he didn't – they told him, come out of the bathroom shooting, right? Right. Don't hesitate. Just do it. What he does, he comes out of the bathroom. He sits back down. <laughs> what an idiot. So <laughs> so anyway, um, he sits back down, and then we get this oh, brilliant uh, piece of filmmaking where um, the the person that you were going to find out what his name is – Yes. Um, he is speaking to him in Italian still, right? And this is one of the few times where we don't get subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, noticed that. Yeah, yeah. We don't get subtitles because really it's not going to matter, right? It doesn't yeah. matter what he says. So, uh, but we get this slow push in on Michael's face and we hear the. Yeah, Salonzo. I was right. You the were. The Turk. Salonzo. So when he's talking to Salonzo, um, or Salonzo is talking to him rather, yeah. uh, when he sits back down from the bathroom, um, we get the slow push in on Michael, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we hear his voice start to fade away and the roar of the the train get mm-hmm. louder, right? So right. we're starting not to pay attention to, to him anymore. Now we're really focused on Michael. And he's thinking. He's not even looking at Salonzo, right? Right. He's, he's thinking. He's calculating. And we're like, is he going to do it? What's going on? Come on, man. 
this is your chance. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then he stands up. Boom, boom. Yeah. Right, and, and gets Alonzo in the head. Yep. Gets Chief Police in the gets neck. Sterling. And then in and the then in the head. Yeah. And then. And what does he do? He, Nothing they taught him. <laughs> he does. He stands there for a minute. Don't do that. Yeah. Then he, he doesn't drop his hand. He drops the gun. Then his hand. <laughs> And then he runs out of there. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, it goes come from a on. brisk walk to then he's, he's, he's booking it to the, the getaway car. Now, I will tell you, um, he goes to Sicily, right, after right. this? Right. He goes to Sicily. There's a lot of cool stuff that goes down in Sicily. Number one, we get to see the church that uh, he will eventually marry that woman in. Mm-hmm. But number two... It was um, a scene in Godfather Part Two where Vito is being hidden from the mob in Sicily That's when he's right. a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's sort of a foreshadowing of we're going to learn some stuff about about Vito eventually mm-hmm. um, because he does go to Corleone, um, Sicily. Sicily. Right? Yeah. So that was super neat. I really dig that. If you had asked me. Like a few years ago, you're like, hey, Jeremy, what's the most boring thing you could do in your life? I would say watch the Sicily part of Godfather Part 1 <laughs> because it's so boring. Really, it's not. It's very important. We need the scene. Yeah. Uh, I'm. It's very – I can't – I wouldn't say very expositional because there, there isn't really a lot of talking. It's more just them walking around and right. Michael and, kind of exploring – his heritage. I right. And, you know, which it's great character development and it's it's important that he ends up having to leave because it's just nowhere safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Nowhere is going to be safe for Michael Corleone. Right. You know I mean, so. But again, if you had asked me, I, I tried watching this movie in high school. Mm-hmm. I was way too young for that because I was just like, well, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, get, get, get back to the good stuff. Yeah. What, 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 what's he in Italy? Why? And why are they speaking English? You know what I mean? So I I was a dumb kid back then. You could argue I still am a dumb kid now, but at least I, you know. Have taste now? Yeah, I guess. Um, Um, But, you know, so while Michael's in Sicily, you know, Sonny's running the family. Right. Trying to, at least. um, You know, dealing with uh, beating uh, his sister's, uh, his brother-in-law, which we didn't mention, uh, the three... Cor- uh, Corleone uh, brothers have a sister, yes. Connie. Well, we did because that is the that's what opens the movie, right? right. Is the wedding, right? Uh, which and where does she fit in with their ages? Because I know Ooh, good so, question. Because I know Michael is the youngest, yeah. Um, but then we don't see her. She may be after Sunny. Um, because but we don't see her, or or she's the youngest, or she's the and he's just the youngest brother. Um, that I'm not sure because we don't see her in part two I recently bought another the recent box set of The Godfather and I should have brought it with me because it has the family tree oh okay uh, and I should have brought it with me um I didn't realize we were going to be talking about there uh, where they fall in birth order. <laughs> well, I it, it, it kind of struck me while I was watching part two, which I'm just going to touch on it because I know we're going to really get into also part two. Also opens with a very elaborate celebration of some of some sort. Also, uh, right? I think it was communion, um, wasn't it? No, it wasn't communion. Um, oh, shit, it might have been. Uh, we'll get there. Okay, um, but you know. But, you know, like I said, I'm only going to touch on this because I know we're going to really get into The Godfather Part 2. Yeah. Um, But, you know, at uh, their mom's funeral Mm -hmm. or her wake. Yeah. uh, You know, Connie 
goes to Michael and is like, you know, let me help now. You know, like, I'm, I'm here for you. Let me help. Like, something like uh, I took it as like an older sister would say. Mm-hmm. But but then, you know, looking at all the flashbacks with Vito, yeah. you don't see her. You you only see Sonny, Fredo, Fredo, and Michael. Right. So, which so is, she might be the youngest sibling, but obviously the only daughter. So, I mean. It is communion, by the way. Awesome. I, I knew that. <laughs> because he... His son's the right age for it. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's first communion. I yeah. was... Anyway. So, um... Yeah. So, Sonny's trying to run the family business, um... And he's giving Robert Duvall shit, which I, I didn't like. I was like, he, he's trying. Robert he's Duvall's, the constant leader. You know he, I mean? He's trying. And... You know, eventually they they make him step down from the consigliere. Mm, well, we'll and get then, to them. yeah, uh, and then um, you know, Sonny beats the shit out of Carlo, which I a hundred percent deserves it. Yeah, in fact, uh, he deserved more than that. Um, which he gets it, uh, just not as fast as we were hoping. One of the most over the top. Uh, scenes I've ever seen. Is when Connie's breaking everything. Yes. Yeah, I was like, okay, we it was get... very funny. I, I I gotta be honest. With well, you. I, I was I, when I was when I was watching was rewatching. I was I was like, okay, I, I get it. You're upset. Your your piece of shit husband is cheating on you. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, like I understand. It is a piece of shit. Um, yeah, he is a piece of shit. Yeah, he's God. He's the worst. Um, he's not even Italian. Oh. God, not even Italian. Right? What are we even Isn't, doing? Didn't they say he's not Italian? Even though his name is Carlo? Okay, well, that was racist. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying I to believe, be racist. No, that was very funny. Uh, I'm not sure. I, feel I, like didn't, they, I didn't catch that. I feel like they mentioned in part one that he's not Italian. No, or maybe, yeah, the, maybe sure they, they were talking. Mean. No, my bad. Uh, it was it was when, um, it was the very beginning, when uh, when uh, the Undertaker is, is asking the Don for help. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he uh, he mentions his daughter is in love with a man uh, not Italian. Oh, right. Okay, no, so I think Carlo is Italian. Well, like uh, you said, his name is Carlo. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, I, I'm not very open-minded, are you? Ray? I anyway, uh, no offense. Yeah, okay. But, uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's a piece of shit, and uh, James Caan yeah. should have, in my opinion, should have done worse to him than chase sure. him down the street and throw a trash can on him uh, like the Asia song says it's the heat of the moment you know what I mean so he's not he's not thinking straight <laughs> but um, yeah I'm full of those <laughs> oh my god uh, but then you know but then that's ultimately Sonny's undoing yeah you know because he gets a call from Connie right uh, I'm, assu- I'm assuming alluding to the fact that Carlo is abusing her again yes and because uh, you know he, when he beats him he beats the shit out of him the first time he says if you lay a finger on my sister again I'll kill you I'll, yeah exactly um, I think he was counting on that yeah, I, th- I think he was. I, 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 genu- I genuinely think he was like, I... I was like, just kidding. Of course he was. Like, I, I hope you don't beat my uh, sister again, but if you do, I will kill you. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. Exactly. So, yeah, so they allude to that. He's beating on her again. Sonny leaves the house, gets to a toll booth, and just gets gunned down. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde style. Yeah. Except all the bullets went in his body. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, you know, it was just, he was just one person, you know, I mean, body yeah. covered two people, right? So anyway. Well, and, and, you know, when I was watching that, like, he, he tries to get out. He tries to escape. But, I mean, they've got him cornered on all they angles. They do. Front, I mean, sides, front. Very well choreographed. The, uh, 
that hit. Very they, well yeah, they, there was no way he was getting out alive. So here's something that I really love about uh, The Godfather is mm. that there's no music during these these acts it, of violence. It, yeah, these very intense. Right, and so it, there's no there's no music cue to. First off, to warn you. Uh, second off, uh, to distract. Right. So right. Uh, there's no there's no crescendo uh, to these. Yeah, like this, this big swelling, just, like that would that would really distract me. And it really grounds in reality, right? Mm-hmm. I, which, yeah. I, which I really dig. Yeah, um, like yeah. When not like I don't hope anyone ever gets gunned down. But when you get gunned down, you're not going to hear an orchestra. And, and there, again, we don't know. I've never been gunned out. I don't know what that's like. But um, they don't say we're not going to like it. I don't know. It's an experience I've had. But, um, but also, I mean, the the movie, which we'll get to in part two as well, but um, this, this film is so good at building tension. So yeah. especially in the in the scene with Michael and he's going to assassinate the chief of police and um, what's his face? I Alonzo. Thank you. I or, guys or just call him the Turk. The Turk. And um, and what builds the tension in that scene, like I said, is that he didn't follow what 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 they told him. Like exactly. Once you once you shoot, it's the same trope that we spoke about in heist films mm-hmm. where if they tell the audience the plan ahead of time we know when something goes wrong right, right? so we know that he's either going to choke or something right because he didn't follow what they told him right and we know that because he just sat down mm-hmm. um and that really gets your tension building you're like whoa, whoa, whoa hold on he's not he wasn't supposed to sit He's back down. He's not following directions. What's going on, right? He wasn't supposed to do that. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, in a faster tension scene would be Sonny's demise, right? Mm-hmm. Where we kind of realize something's wrong, but a split second later, we're like, he's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, he, he's, he's, he's hauling ass to assuming Connie's apartment. Right. Gets to the toll booth. And you can already tell something's wrong because the person in front of him, they're taking their time. Yeah. And they, you know, act like, oh, we're accidentally backing up. And then the toll guy just ducks. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, like, oh, like, oh shit. Oh, no, there we go. So that one comes as more of a surprise. Right? Yeah. And even, even uh, Sonny knows, like, oh, shit. Like, it's, this is it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so then, then we kind of talked about it. Uh, so then Michael gets the news that his, his brother's dead. Right. And the Don in Sicily tells him, this is, this place is no longer safe for you. Right. And so he decides to pack up uh, he and his Italian wife. Uh, what's her name? I don't Something with an A. That's uh, probably true. She doesn't make it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because then the guy that he you know put his trust in the whole time he's been in Sicily, mm. uh, pretty sure is the one who double crosses him. Yeah. And so his Italian wife dies and Michael somehow kind of wish they would have explained it. You know what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad they yada yada over that. It's um, like, oh yeah, he's he's back now. Yeah, it's like I got it. Right? He's he's back in he's back in good old NYC. Yeah. So we're good. Uh, we're you know, interrupting Kay in her school teaching. Good. <laughs> like your mom, I'm not a fan of Kay. Okay? I like Diane Keaton. I don't like Kay. Because right. uh, well, and she she was already like, I think the one part with Kay that I really didn't like is the the dinner, uh, 
Right before Michael does it. Right before Michael kills the Turk and, and mm-hmm. the chief of police. Right before he does it. And he tells her, like, I need you to go home to your family. And she's, like, making a big deal out of it. Yeah. I was like, like can't you see he's trying to protect you, you stupid bitch? Exactly. Or, or can't you see that he's got important stuff to do? Like, all this mob stuff. <laughs> he's got cool, mob stuff to do. He's got this cool mob stuff going on. What you got going on? <laughs> So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so he tells Kay, you know, I still love you, even though the motherfucker married someone hey, and rightfully so. Okay. Well, and was starting to actually start liking her too. Like, it seemed like he was, uh, maybe I read that wrong, but it seemed like Michael was starting to like his Italian wife. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean. He didn't marry except her for part, absolutely no reason. Except for the part that uh, she didn't know how to drive his car. She did, but that was fun. That was fun that they were doing that together. It was fun bonding time, right? Yeah. He's going to teach her how to drive a car, and and then he's going, and then uh, she's going to teach him how to explode. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> she's an expert at it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, uh, so good she doesn't even show back up again. Exactly. You know. <laughs> The worst, the, the worst part about showing someone how to do that, you can only do it once. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's an old Looney Tunes joke. Anyway, um, anyway, so so Michael is now um, he's back in NYC. He tells Kate or Kay that yes, I'm working for my family now, but we're gonna be completely legitimate in five years. Yeah, you know, which is you know, and and anyone should know this if they've ever seen a mafia movie. Um, when they say that, they don't mean it. Or maybe he did, and it's just, you know, he didn't realize how unrealistic that is. Yeah. Maybe. he's He thinks he's going to be the savior of the Corleone family. Well, and he then, is going to make it to where, yes, we are finally going to do this. Well, and and, and, it, and it makes sense that Michael would believe it because, you but know. you could read it either way. Yeah, because, you know, uh, you know. In part two, which will, you know, again, we'll really get into part two. We're not there yet, guys. Be patient. But, you know, Kay tells him, like, you told me this would be legitimate in five years. Yeah. That was seven years ago. Yeah. You know, but anyway. Another way that they, without doing the timestamps, which can be distracting. Uh, yeah. They'll do it conversationally like that. Mm-hmm. They'll sort of put out a little exposition about what year it is. But you have to do the math yourself. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, how I did it was on that... Um, in that family tree, it tells you when people die, like what uh, year they right. die. And so I can track what year it is by people's deaths, which is fun. Uh, uh, 58 is part two. Yes. And then uh, part one is, because this is going to bug me, uh, uh, 45. Okay. Wait, really? 45? Well, yeah, because uh, World War II ended in 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Gotcha. Cool, 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 cool. Smart. Noise. Little Brooklyn Nine-Nine right there. Smart. Smart. So anyway, so Michael's back, and he is starting, he is now the head of the Corleone family. He's not done yet, but he's the head of the family. Yeah, because the Don is alive. Yes. Vito's still alive, but, but he is just, you know, he is stepping he, down. He's just there, uh, you know, to teach Michael how to run the family. Yep. Which, uh, which we, we'll, we'll talk about that, the, the meaning of the family here in a second. Yeah. Uh, but, so he's teaching Michael how to run the family the right way, uh, who to trust, who not to trust. And that's when he asks uh, Robert Duvall, Tom Hagen, the concierge, to step down. And go to Vegas, right? But we're going to move you to Vegas. Yeah, because they were also going – because everyone's moving to Vegas, right? Yeah. yeah it is mentioned – they, they'd move Fredo there right. to, as protection because yeah. after what happened with Sonny, they moved him there. Right. 
Um, and so then he's going to have Tom move there. Because that's right. Because Don's the, the Don Vito is going to be Michael's concierge. Yeah. Um, because. And the their reasoning, and I wish I wrote it down because I really liked the way they said it. You're not a wartime Consigli, con, or you are a wartime consigliere or something like that. It was yeah. about wartime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I don't remember. I think it was you're not a wartime consigliere. Mm-hmm. Right? We need someone who is capable of getting us through this. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and I love that he does stick around in part two. He's still there. Right. Um, and he's one of the few people Michael actually trusts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love, yeah, yeah, Robert Duvall is, uh, he's awesome. He, Robert Duvall's And you can man. totally tell this is when he was starting to go bald. Yeah, poor, poor guy. Poor Robert Duvall. Yeah, uh, no. You couldn't really tell in the first one, because he, yeah. he had a full head of hair. He did. And then in part two, two years later, it's... It's thinning right here on top, and then in the very back, it's bald. From what I remember, four years after that, after part two, it's all gone because it, he, all this right here is gone because he had shaved it for Apocalypse Now. So, Rob, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you, you just told me you hadn't seen Apocalypse Now. I haven't is, seen it, but I know who's in it, oh, which is so amazing. You need to see it. the The final cut is coming in August. So, the final cut, yeah, Jesus. So was it was this like Blade Runner? Yeah, the three different cuts, and then right. finally the the actual. That's right. I mean, Redux is good. Listen, this isn't the Apocalypse Now podcast. We'll get there, <laughs> but <laughs> listen, we'll do it in August because I really want to see the final cut, and then we'll talk about it. But okay. Um, anyway, where are we at? Uh, so so they're all going to Vegas because Michael wants Mo Green's hotel, right? And he wants not really to force Mo Green out, but he's like, "I want your hotel. I want ownership of this hotel." Right. And Mo Green pretty much tells him, "Like, you can't tell me what to do." We did skip where, and this is a really important scene because it is it's set up for the finale. So the setup for the finale is the meeting of the Dons, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, after Sunny dies. After Sunny dies. Yep. So, yeah, we skipped that. And we also get another great line. Look how they massacred my boy, which is a, a very famous line from when he goes to the uh, the mortuary to see Sonny, mm-hmm. um, and uh, asking the, uh, the, mortician the mortician to make him look because his mom's going to be at the funeral, right? Um, and he's like, I don't want his mom to seem like this. Whatever. Um, yeah. So it, and, you know, Marlon Brando is difficult. Right. Yeah. All, all the stuff I've heard. The, it's he was, still such a powerhouse performance. Yeah. Even and, and I know you might judge me for this, but even his his, his portrayal of uh, Kyle and Superman. I was, forgot he was that. I mean, Superman's dead. I forgot he was Superman's dead. And, and Brian Singer even used his archive footage for Superman Returns, which. Um, it's a trash movie. It's a garbage movie. <laughs> Kevin Spacey's sort of the silver lining because he was a great Lex Luthor. But this is not the Superman podcast. Um, Thank God. But anyway, but yeah, but no, I totally agree with what you're saying. That like, yeah, I've, I mean, what, I mean, that's just an aside. But what a powerhouse performance! Exactly. Still, right. Yeah. I mean, um, and I was telling you off mic that there are pictures of the production of uh, <laughs> like with Robert Duvall. And I think this is so funny. Has <laughs> Robert Duvall has the script? taped to his chest so Martin Lombrando can just read it off his chest so he didn't have to memorize anything. Yes, if anyone didn't know about Marlon Brando, he 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 didn't necessarily pioneer uh, method acting, but he really brought it to the forefront in Hollywood of, of getting into character and staying in character. Uh, but one of the things he was most infamous for 
because he didn't learn his lines. No, I didn't like that. He didn't like that. And so, as Jeremy just said, uh, and as I learned, uh, when the camera's focused on Marlon, um, Francis Ford Coppola would tape the, I just think that's so funny. He would just, I mean, someone would have to tape it because, I mean, it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta read the lines. It's like, well, they didn't put on a shirt or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the conversation I, went. I could totally see the conversation going that way. I just know that someone had to have it in front of him. So, um, but anyway, uh, so the meeting of the Dons, that's where we're at. Yeah, so, where, where Vito tells the other Dons, I will not take revenge on you killing my son because I killed, because it's the, uh, what's what's the rival's names? Uh, I, ha- I, I think I slap it up in front of me. Thank you. Because uh, no. I don't remember. Uh, but, uh, right. Because they, you know, they just went in the war. Right. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it starts with a T. I can't pronounce it. Uh, to Talgalia? To, sure. To, sure, that. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Um... <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, because he's the one who who ordered the hit on Sonny. The yeah, yeah. And Vito tells him like, "I'm not gonna take revenge because I killed your son. Right. You killed my son. Like, how many, how many more dead sons? <laughs> like, hey, I had a couple, right? I mean, but did he though? No. Did they have to kill Sonny? No, but you know, I mean, but they because because. Yeah, because then it's revealed why they did it, why they turned on Vito because he wouldn't share the politicians. Right. Uh, which I thought was kind of a bitch excuse. It's, you know, I wrote it down in in my part two notes that really the business side of the mob is really highlighted in these movies. Yes. Right? It's, yeah, because in, in other mob movies, you just see, you see the decision-making and the killing. Right. It's not to the point in, like... Um, Star Wars Episode One, where we're watching like real like politics. It, it's like C-SPAN in space, <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm, what is more boring than that, right? So it's not to that level, right? right. Thank God. But no, like yeah, you see these these very powerful men sitting down and making decisions. Like exactly. this is what we're gonna do, and the reasoning behind it, and it's you know, and we can see both sides of it. We can see why Sonny was murdered. We can see why. Um, Vito had his son, whatever. We get it, right? We understand because we we understand the the deals mm-hmm. and the relationships between the families and whatever. Right. So anyway, so this is a really important scene because it does set up the finale. We need to know who these dons are, right? So we know what's going on during the baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the baptism scene is completely brilliant. Uh, we we get this juxtaposition between Michael, Michael <laughs> being baptized as his sister Connie's son's godfather, right, um, and him becoming the godfather of right, and so the Corleone family, and it's a great juxtaposition between um, his, I guess, his relationship with his family and his relationship with the family. The family, right? yeah. Right, and... Yeah, because he's got his guys going around killing the different dons. Different dons. Uh, it's pretty much... It's cementing his place as head of... Yeah. Pretty much... Is it the New York family? or Because they leave New York at the end of part one. They do leave New York at the end of part one. I would say that it, it does cement the Corleone family at the head of at least New York... Right, because um, well, because they're still running New York, even though they're in uh, Vegas. No, they. Go, I thought they go to Colorado. What? 
I thought they moved to Colorado, though. Part one? Part two. Oh, part two. We're not there yet. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Lake Tahoe. Oh, Sorry. Right. I'm getting ahead of myself. You are getting ahead of yourself. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. And so... We we see the the rise of Michael Corleone in part one, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I have to say because we we touched on Carlo, uh, I I knew he wasn't going to let him walk away. No, of course not. So so if, uh, he, so he figures so Michael figures out that Carlo was the one who sold Sonny out to mm-hmm. the to the other family because yeah. Carlo isn't Carlo's reasoning behind it is. I'm sure he was mad at Sonny for beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Uh, but he wanted to be involved in the family. Yeah. Um, but Michael figures it out. And when Michael's like, you know, this is a plane ticket. You're going to go to Vegas and you're not going to talk to my sister ever again. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to make my sister a widow. Right. And and I was like, no, no. no He's, yeah, he yeah. And then and then he gets in the car and then there's uh, the, the uh, cannoli guy and he just fucking strangles <laughs> him, dude. Yeah. I was like, see, I knew Michael wasn't going to just let you get away with that shit. Yeah. And it's in that scene um, sets up the the scene in part two during the celebration of the first communion where he's talking to his sister and her new husband. <laughs> We're right? about to be her new husband. We're about to be, right. Yep. And that is a dynamic um, blocking scene, right? Where uh, he is always focused on his sister and he always has his back to uh, uh, and it's, it's Merle, so quick. I think his name yeah, is. Yeah, and it's yeah. so nuts the way that the camera moves and where we are in the space. And uh, anyway, it's brilliant filmmaking. Um, but that that act right there of him killing what's his face? I already forgot his name. Carlo. Thank you, Carlo. Um, sets up that scene right because mm-hmm. obviously she knows. You know that Michael had him. Had well, him well, she even says it in the first one, like I yeah. know you did it, right? And and. You know, he tells her like, you, like, you need to go lay down. Yeah. You know, you're hysterical. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when when Kay asks, you know, and, you know, and he gives that cold, I didn't kill him. Right. He's like, I'll give you this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I can't let you in on the business. Yeah. But because I care, like, it's like because I care about you, I will. I will offer you this one. Yeah. No, I didn't kill him. And then he lies. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um. And of course, we get the famous closing of the door. You know that she is just completely shut out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that Michael is now. He's the dawn. He's. He's the boss now. And the movie's over. Right. Yes. And. Really great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But now we're going to get really great. Yes. <laughs> what part two? Yeah. So so one of the things I loved about part two is that it starts where one ends mm-hmm. of them shaking Michael's hand. And then we get that title card all about Vito. Yeah. And that and that his name actually wasn't Vito Cor, uh, Corlone. Uh, Cor, no, it wasn't. Corleone. It was Vito. Uh, it's really hard to pronounce. It starts with an A. Uh, Andolini? Yeah. Andolini. Something like that. And, right. And so... And it's 1901 for him. We get the backstory for Vito in part one, which was in the original book, which was in the original novel, the backstory. He gets a chapter. And instead of throwing all of it in part one... Francis moved it to... We're going to make part two a sequel and a prequel at the same time. Right. Yeah. See, because like um, when I told Ashley's grand, uh, told uh, told her Mima that we were going to be doing this, uh, as I mentioned off mic, uh, she loves The Godfather. Yeah. But one of the things she hates is when they show part two 
on air because mm-hmm. they show it in chronological order. They do. They show it. They show Vito's backstory, and then we catch up to Michael. Yeah. I I honestly liked it switching. Yeah. I I, I really liked this kind of juxtaposition of. We saw how Vito's rise, and now we're seeing Michael's um, descent, or not descent. Well, really. his, his well, his descent into deeper into the family, right? You know, and his in his decisions and their consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they really do, which is brilliant, in part two is we'll see Michael. Um, you know, his family's falling apart mm-hmm. and then we'll fade into Vito and his family's just starting. Yeah. Right. And so we get this sort of this, like you said, juxtaposition mm-hmm. with these two themes that are just polar opposites. You know, past and present. Right. But almost working in tandem right. with each other. Because, uh, and, and also if anyone didn't hasn't seen Godfather Part 2, uh, Marlon Brando does not come back no. and we get uh, the man... Robert De Niro playing oh, a man. young uh, Vito uh, Corleone, uh, which is they also awesome. they also gave him uh, later in the in the when he's when he's visibly getting older, right? Uh, when when he's actually in organized crime, we he does get the little prosthetics in his mouth to make it's his a, jaw a little, little bit wider, right? Right. Um, I think the most impressive thing of his of his performance is he speaks a Sicilian dialect Italian the mm-hmm. entire time yeah uh, I, I think he may have one line in English yeah I think it's it. I think it's um I think it's when they're in Sicily towards yeah. the end of the movie yeah and they're visiting uh someone's grandmother well I, it was the man that he was he was there because he was going to assassinate the man responsible for his father's death and his mother's death and his mother's death because right. they, yeah, they killed his mom in front right. of him right well not directly in front. He was running away, but he turned and yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, but I, uh, they're visiting someone's grandmother, um, and he tells Michael, "Give it to your, give that to your grandmother." Right. And I think that's like the only English line. Yeah, he that's has. the only thing he's got in English. Now, I didn't read if he learned it, if he learned Sicilian dialect Italian, or if he just learned his lines phonetically. I have no idea. I I'd like to think because Robert De Niro is the fucking man. Yes, he is. The man. He, he love, learned fluent I, Italian. I love Robert De Niro. Yeah, he's he's the man. He's taxi driver. Uh, this is I think the movie right before he did Mean Streets um, with Scorsese. Okay, uh, but he also so. Uh, fun facts. This is a little aside, but fun fact about uh, Coppola is he was friends with Spielberg, Scorsese, De Palma. They all hung out together, and uh-huh. they all like gave feedback on each other's movies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And so De Niro, and I'm uh, sure they passed actors around. They did because De Niro worked a lot with De Palma in his really early stuff in his '60s uh, uh-huh. films. Um, and then after that, he went to Coppola, and then after that, he went to Scorsese. Right. Right. Um, has he done anything with Spielberg? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he has. Um, but anyway, uh, that's just a little fun fact about uh, all those guys. They all hung out together. Well, I mean, it makes sense because then uh, they're all buddies. Because I feel like I feel like at least Al has also done stuff with uh, Scorsese, hasn't he? Who? Al Pacino. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Al Pacino was in. Wait, has he? Well, he will be in. The Irishman, I think. I think. 
I don't know. I just it I doesn't don't know. matter. I just I, I just love Al Pacino, and I can't wait to see him once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, that's gonna be great. Uh, yeah. Which uh, apparently Quentin wrote that part specifically for Ryan. him. Yeah, because it, it's Al fucking Pacino. Because it's Al Pacino. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, but so, this is Robert De Niro. Yes. So yeah. So we see. So I I, I want to talk about the the Vito's backstory before we get into the rest of part two. Right. Because really, I could take or leave Michael's. Um, Michael. Everything that Michael does. Kind of. Well, I mean, it's, it is important, and I love the ending of part two, which mm. we'll get to, but really the meat of part two is, is Vito's it, backstory. Yeah. And your wife's grandmother's correct that when they show it on on TV, they do it in chronological order. So they do part one and two as one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, okay. So so they show you all of Vito's backstory, and then, then we get into, into part, part one. one, and then we get into part, part two. two. Oh man, yeah. Like because yeah, because she was telling me how like that takes away from the drama, and I can see how she thinks that, and I would agree. And I, uh, it's just an interesting way to watch the movie, kind of like. In our first episode ever, we talked about Kill Bill, and sometimes they'll do that one all at once. Oh, yeah. And you can oh. see it as one movie. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, and, yeah. And see, and I see that now because, like, with Kill Bill, it works the way it works. Like, how, like uh, Quentin designed it to work this way. Because they're volumes, not yeah. part. Right. Yeah. Um, this one, you know, they're just slicing it to go in chronological yeah, order, which is fine. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind, but I mean, obviously, the, I, I think, in my opinion, I think that part two is better going back and forth. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that it, and, and and I like that. There's no, there's no um, uh, warning that we're about to flip back. Yeah, and they, it just, it, it just it's always it. a fade, which I like too. Um, it's not a it's not a hard cut back and forth. It's always we've stopped, fade. Like we're we're gonna pause in the action and we're gonna fade to and normally it's uh, like I said before it was the themes of each scene we're gonna meld into are similar to right. one another yeah like how um, like here's what's going on in Michael's life here's what happened to Vito yeah like, when he was facing a similar thing or whatever yeah like when like like at the beginning when Vito comes and migrates to America yeah it ends you know that that part of the story ends with him looking out the window mm-hmm. as a nine year old boy then the camera moves and then there's Anthony mm-hmm. uh, Michael's son taking his first communion exactly in, in 1958 yeah so 57 years later his, his. What would have been really cool is if it was the same kid actor, but that's not you know that's yeah. neither here nor there. I just recently <laughs> watched Vox Lux. This is a this is a complete aside. I've wanted to see that. It's great. Um, it's, really it's, cool. it's a drama musical, right? It's not a musical. It's a music film, right? So oh, okay. no one bursts in a song for no reason. Um, to be to give you film studies jargon, the music is a part of the diegesis. So people. People know the music's going on, right? Oh, okay. It's not like a fantasy sequence or anything like that. Like it's it's diegetic. It's happening uh, okay. in okay. the context of the narrative of the film. But anyway, right. Um... <sighs> oh right. So Vox Lux. So <laughs> sorry. Um, so the younger the younger version, Natalie Portman, uh-huh. also plays Natalie Portman's daughter. Right, it's the same actress oh. who plays both roles. So that would have been kind of a neat if the if Michael's son 
Um, was the same was the same actor as Young Vito. That would have been neat, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was just that was just a long way of saying that would have been neat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, can I talk about my favorite scene in part two mm-hmm. and describe to you why it's so cool? I, I have a feeling I know what it is. Of course, you know what it is. I told you what it was before <laughs> we started. Um, and I'm going to beg you to put this picture. I will. In... I will. I will put it. Um, like when in the description, we need show notes. You know, um, my <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts, Enter the Void. They have show notes, so they're like you know when they when they make reference to like an article or something or a video or something, they'll always say we'll put it in the show notes. I've never double checked them to see if they did, but I bet you they followed through with that. So okay, anyway, okay. So the scene where uh, Michael, no, not Michael, Vito, Vito. When Vito is going with his buddy, and his buddy's like, hey, my friends have this rug. Um, it's uh, 1917. Right. In 1917, they go, and Vito's obviously very young still at this point. He is like, I don't know, 20 mm-hmm. something. Um, uh, well, by that timeline, 1901, he, if he's nine in 1901, uh, 16 years later, 25. Okay, so he's 25. Um, at this point, still young, right? Right. And he's with this this guy that he's met, and he's like, hey, man, I got this... Uh, Peter Clemenza. Uh, I have it loud. Oh, thank you. I, I'm not just like, finally remembering. Oh. Yeah, no, uh, well, that's the uh, cannoli guy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So he's with a younger Clemenza, right? And he's like, "Hey, my buddy's got this rug, um, and you know, I want to, I want to give it to you. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to get rid of it. I don't want it. I think it looks nice in your place, right? right? Really, really jazz up place." And he's like, "Cool, man. Um, I'll help you get out of the house." He goes, "Great, thanks, appreciate." It. And so they go to this guy's house, struggle to get in. <laughs> and so now we, as the audience, are like, "They're probably breaking into that place, right?" Yeah. And and so. Vito doesn't think any of you have it, right? He, he doesn't think anything. He's just like, uh, oh, you know, it's just a hard door, whatever. Or he's very innocent at this point, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And when they're rolling up the rug, right, which we see in real time, them rolling up the rug. Yeah, that, I thought that was really cool. It is a, it is a wide shot, a static shot, meaning it doesn't, the camera doesn't move. It's stationary, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great for the next shot. So we, we see them rolling up the rug. Doorbell rings? Yes. Yes. Doorbell rings. It's not a knock. And we immediately uh, go to my favorite shot of the whole movie, um, which is his name again? Clemenza. Clemenza. Um, I'm really bad at these Italian names. (laughs) Clemenza notices someone at the door. We assume it's a police officer. Or or someone. Some passerby. Um, And he is – it's a shot of the door. And we're given a lot of space on either side. Um, so the door is almost in the center of the frame. And we have Clemenza on our right side. And he holds up his gun and he's holding it up to head length, <laughs> about head height, mm-hmm. at the door. So when that guy comes in, that guy's got some trouble, right? Right. Here's what makes the scene so phenomenal. Here's where the shot so phenomenal is the extra space on our left. So the scene, the shot, could be cut off at the edge of the door. That would work, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. We're given extra space 
on the left side, on right. the other side of the door. And it really amps up our anxiety as film goers because we're like, oh, my God, we have all this blank extra space. Are that, we about to need it? That right? we're about to. Are we about to have brains and blood all over this side of the door? Mm-hmm. Because he's not going to show me this blank space for nothing, right? Right. So we're obviously going to use it. So what Francis Ford Coppola is hoping, he has his fingers crossed, that you've seen a movie before. <laughs> okay? Right. Not necessarily his movies. He doesn't care about that. He wants you to have seen a movie before. Right. Because what movies do is they don't show you unnecessary things. Right. Right? Yeah, if, everything is very deliberate. Exactly. If we're given a wide shot, everything in that wide shot we need. Right. And so in this wide shot, we're thinking we're going to need that extra space. So when that guy walks away and we're not needing that extra space, we go, oh, oh my God. Oh, Jesus. And they go back. And that they guy start, almost died. Yeah. You know? And and what's what's extra nerve-wracking about it is that guy has no idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that yeah, guy has yeah. no idea that that guy, that Clements is there with that gun. Mm-hmm. We do, obviously. Yeah. Because, yeah, we're seeing it. But again, it's a, it's a beautiful shot. And... It really works. It's really effective with tension, right? And we mm-hmm. already established Coppola's really good at that. Yeah, and, and I think something else that kind of struck me about that scene is, you know, um, Vito doesn't really know that they are stealing. Well, I mean, I'm sure he has his suspicions, but, right. you know, as you kind of said, he, he's very innocent. But I think when he sees Clemenza pull out this gun, like right. – Okay, we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing. Right. And the rug actually does look great in their apartment. Oh, yeah, I would I say it pulls the whole room together. Boom. <laughs> Bonus Big Lebowski reference in the podcast. <laughs> uh, I love, uh, love okay. the Big Lebowski. Anyway. anyway. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful shot. And um, to me, it makes the whole movie. I love I love that shot. Right. It's great. Um, so, so then uh, – you know, still keeping with Vito's backstory. So then sometime later, um, Vito has Fredo and Michael, which I looked it up. I don't want to sound like I'm correcting you, but Sonny is the oldest. Oh, is he the oldest? Yes. Well, good for you. Fredo, no, I Fredo deserve is, to be corrected every now and then. Fredo is the middle child, Michael the youngest. I didn't look up to see where the hell Connie was. I, if I'm being honest, I don't care where she fits. In, you know what? I don't either. Yeah. It's Connie. Who cares? Connie makes bad decisions. Yeah. Very bad decisions, We're, which we'll get into with the yeah. the rest of part two. Right. Uh, so anyway, so, the you know, um, they have Vito, uh, Fredo, and, and uh, Michael. And Vito is kind of becoming sort of infamous with the, the, the Don. I don't remember his name. I just know he has a gold tooth. Yes. It's it's really hard for me to remember people's names, number one, because they're in Italian. Number two, especially in this one, they're just speaking Italian, so I'm reading. Yes. Right? And when I read something, for sure, I'm not going to know how to pronounce it correctly. No. <laughs> and I'm really not listening to them because I'm, you're having to read. I'm reading in English, right? Yeah. So either they're – I know their names are the same no matter what, but I'm still not listening. So, right. Yeah. Um, and so he, he learns that – uh, Vito and his friends have been stealing shit. Yeah. And he he wants a little bit of slice because he, as uh, as I remember, because I watched it last night, uh, he takes it as disrespect to yeah. him, to, the, to that Don, mm-hmm. that they're not sharing their wealth with him. Right. So he wants, what was it, like $200 of their $600 yeah. that they stole? Um, and Vito comes up with an idea 
that he's going to give him a hundred hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and play it off as like, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a little, you know, strapped for cash. Maybe you can understand. Yeah. And uh, the the Don lets his guard down, and Vito. I loved this. Uh, you know, the Don walking through the streets during this yes. festival. Oh my god! And Vito on the rooftops. Yes. Stalking him now. I think last season on Family Guy. Hold on, it's going to make sense in a minute. <laughs> they did a great parody to this, where um, the principal uh, kicks Chris out of school or something, uh-huh. and uh, Chris is going to ask him to come back to school, or he is going to get a way to get back into school. Uh-huh. And so there is this entire scene that is in, uh, you know, nineteen twenties, nineteen twenties New York, and Chris is following the principal on the roof, and he's, you know, I feel and, like I feel like no, it's it, fantastic. I feel and like it's, no episode you're talking about. I mean, about. and it is almost shot for shot perfect. And it is, I mean, those guys really know how to parody. Yeah, because because and, and that also gets us the famous oh shot where. So Vito tracks him to his apartment. Yeah, and, you know, and he's hiding in the dark with uh, you know, a man-made silencer with the, the gun wrapped in a towel. Right, and he uses the towel to unscrew the light bulb so he can't see him at first. Right, mm-hmm. which you know the, that's the famous scene where the Don reaches up and he's tapping the light. Yeah, and we see Don, uh, we see Vito in the back, and the light's hitting him. Yeah, and he's just waiting, yeah. like, uh, which th- th- even though I love that scene, I do have one tiny criticism. The fucking towel would not have caught fire. I believe it would. <laughs> like, because I'm a dreamer, okay? Like, I love the the image of him holding that gun just for a minute because, you know, then he unwraps it really fast. But just for that split second, he's holding that gun and the towel he's wrapped around, it's on fire. It's the coolest looking thing in the world. And you know why? Because it's fucking Robert De Niro holding a gun that's on fire. But it's it's not it's it, there's no way that would happen in real life. The you don't bullet, know that the bullet would have just gone through. Yeah, it would have burned the towel, but the towel would not have caught fire. Maybe the towel soaked in kerosene. I don't know where the towel was. <laughs> where did it get the towel? I don't know. Why would it be soaked in kerosene? All I'm saying is I don't know where he got the towel. I don't know what's on the towel. And you don't either. I will say, though, uh, how he kills that Don is pretty hardcore. Yeah. Shoots him in the chest. Then he shoots him in the cheek. Oh, yeah. And then while he's in the, you know, against the, 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 uh, the um, door frame, bleeding out, he just sticks the gun in his mouth and poof, yeah. blows his brains out. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. And then uh, walks away, like, well, breaks the gun, and then just... It's really cool, because he, he does uh, disassemble the gun, and then puts it in different chimneys and as then, he's walking back on the roofs. Uh, yeah, and then and takes his $100 back. Of course. And then just fucking tosses his wallet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and then um, and then we were talking about this off mic, and then uh, we flash forward some more, and Vito has now become a very respected... Yeah. I think I think they're already calling him Don mm-hmm. uh, during this time. They are, uh, yeah. and the um, and you're referring to the the landlord situation. Yes. The landlord doesn't know that yet. Yes, yeah, because Vito comes to him is just like you know, you know, one of your tenants. You know, this widow she came to me. Like maybe you can see it in your heart just to let her stay. You know, I understand the dogs become a problem. Like maybe you can just let the dog go and let her stay, and then even offers him uh, to pay her rent six months in advance yeah and um and then the landlord's still like you know, i don't know who you are like i don't know why you're offering me this kind of money yeah 
And so Vito, and I think this is very cool, Vito just, you know, puts his arm around him and says, ask your friends about me. Yeah. And then and then come back and we'll talk. Know that, you know, I never forget yeah, when someone's done me a favor. Yeah. Right. And then he walks away. And then uh, it's like the very next day, the landlord shows up at his now olive oil business. Did you read about the door? Or that the door wouldn't open? They did it on purpose. And they did it. Um, and they didn't tell the actor that it doesn't open or how to open it. <laughs> and so the actors inside know how to open it. And so they just went... What are you doing? You know what I mean? And so it it makes him more nervous. Then he can't open the door. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but then but then you know he returns the money. Yeah, and says like, of course she'll stay, and and the dog too. Yeah, and I'll even lower her rent. Yeah, and Vito's just like sitting like sitting there like, okay. And he gives him the money, and he counts the money back to him, which I like because it's like like I, I didn't spend this money. I, did, I, did. Yeah. I promise you, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I feel like that really shows that you know even Vito when he was very young that he was still very you know to be feared. Yeah, you know he's very he was a very powerful person mm-hmm. in New York City yeah. even when he was in his thirties or whatever. Yeah, so because. Uh, because when he kills the dawn, it was nineteen twenty. So he, yeah, he was almost thirty. Yeah. Uh, by that point, um, and then, uh, and then we were just kind of talking about this, and then he goes to Sicily uh, with his business partner, mm-hmm. uh, who's helping him export the the oil. Well, he's yeah. exporting the oil from Sicily to then disperse it in New York yeah. through his Vito's olive oil company uh, and that's where he kills the Don who killed his parents that's right uh, pretty brutally if you yeah. ask me because um, I, I figured he was just going to shoot him I'm like oh, yeah. I'm like, okay he's going to kill him I know he's going to kill him but he just like he, rips his chest open <laughs> I know and then because uh, um, it was so cool I know uh, and and I uh, I thought as soon as um, he said his dad's because when he asked him like oh what's your dad's name and he said it I was like oh man it's about to go oh, down no. but then he's all like could you say it again I couldn't hear you right yeah I was like oh this old fucker is gonna yeah. but I feel like he I feel like Vito intentionally said it low enough to where he he had to get he had close. to get closer yeah yeah uh, but yeah no that was because Vito's not an idiot yeah uh, and but then but his business partner gets a. Uh, Gets, yeah. gets shot and gets uh, handicapped for the rest of his life. Yep. Um, which it's I read somewhere that we see him in part one, his business partner, but mm-hmm. I don't remember ever seeing him. I'm trying to remember. It starts with a T to, to most to Maso. So you watched part two last night? Yes. I saw it a week ago. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought about rewatching some scenes. I'm like, nah, I got it. Uh, apparently well, I don't. Well, I should have, I probably should have rewatched part one. Because uh, I remember. That's funny. Anyway. anyway. So then, um, um, so then after that, you know, they we really don't get a whole lot of veto after that. Yeah, um, yeah, because then, because the only other uh, flashback, quote, no, can see me quoting, quote unquote, flashback we get is in 1941, four years before, right, part one, right, where they're all at the dinner table, where Sonny's back, you know, Fredo's, b- b- oh, well, I shouldn't say back. <laughs> Well, well he, Fredo's I mean, back. Well, when Fredo's back because he dies because Michael kills him. Listen, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you've seen the movies. <laughs> anyway, but right, they get all the actors back uh, uh, to do this scene where it's Vito's birthday. Which also happens to be the day where uh, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Um, and do you know what day that is? 
uh, December 7th, 1941. Good job. I also had it up, too. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so they, uh, and this is where Michael tells them that he quit college and is joining the army. Yeah. Which, um, I, you know, in part one, I gotta I gotta say that I, I really feel like you know we saw that Sonny was a hothead. Yeah. That he was very quick to anger, uh, but I feel like we saw it more in part two when he when Michael says that just in this flashback. Yeah. Because yeah. he fucking stands up, the chair goes back, and yeah. he's about to like beat the shit yeah. out of Al Pacino. Yeah. And then uh, it's. Um, well, it's, Fredo, Fredo's a dumb. Anyway, Fredo, Fredo's a dumb, dumb idiot. Like, well, and he's like, oh, congrats, he can't, don't encourage him. He doesn't know how to read a room, you know. Yeah. Well, he probably doesn't know how to read a book, you well, know, because Fredo's I, an idiot. Well, and I, and I feel like they did that because uh, with, with the, the, what just happened previously, right? I feel like Francis Ford Coppola was telling us the audience, like, isn't this ironic? Yeah, that. Fredo uh, was supporting Michael joining the army, yeah. and then uh, Michael just had him killed. Right, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll uh, get here, to here in a second. So, and then, so then that's the the last flashback, and, then, and it's how the movie ends, which is completely brilliant, and it really puts a cap on the Godfather story. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have Michael reminiscing about this time, right? Not mm-hmm. fondly, because it's not a good memory, really. No, cause, um, yeah, because he sits alone while they're all singing happy birthday to Vito in the other room. You know, he's just thinking about, you know, how he got there, Mm -hmm. right? This is really what kicked it off. This is, you know, um, this is what kind of started everything, I guess. And he is, he's just thinking about, you know, what led him to this. Yeah, because, you know, coincidentally, you know, before we get into what really transpires in part two with with Michael, Michael, um, you know, Vito says something in part one, which... You know, you're, you're, you know, what you're saying, because, you know, if, if Michael would have stayed in college, you know, Vito wanted him to be like a senator or a congressman. Yeah. Because as he puts it, you know, I wanted you to be the one pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, instead of being pulled by the strings, which is, you know, I guess is a reference to the, you know, the hand with the marionette. Yeah. You know, uh, which I, I thought was interesting because, you know, it's one of those things of. What if Michael had stayed in college? Right. Would he have ever become Don? Or? The, um, the marionette um, image is on the novel as well. And mm. so it was on the novel before it was in the movie. Well, right, so, right, right. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those, you know, analogies. But, right. you know, one of those analogy things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're right. And I think really what Vito was hoping for was to have Michael in his pocket. Right. Right. He wanted him to be higher up politically so we can, you know, use him. Use him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Makes sense. And and I and I have a feeling Michael probably wouldn't have been able to uh, dissuade that. Like, right. well, sorry, Dad, I'm, I'm not going to help you. Yeah, of, yeah. Course, of course he would have. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, he killed the chief of police for him. You know what I mean? Right. No right. question. Right. Yeah, so, um, so anyway, so in, in the present day of part two, it's 1958, because I just looked it up. Well, I didn't look it up. I still have it. Again, it's hard. It's hard to know where they are when they, no one says it. Because you see, you see a title card once. Yeah. When it says like Anthony Corleone, Vito's grandson, nineteen you know, like fifty. Which does sort of give it that sort of sophisticated feel because it's not beating you over the head with the exposition. Right. You're, it's like, hey. You got to figure it out, okay? You're a no. big boy. You yeah, can you do gotta, math. Yeah, you got to you got to think. I'm not a big boy and I hate math. Yeah. But anyway. So so you know, they're Hopefully at this, doesn't know that. Yeah, so they're at the celebration for 
communion. Uh, uh, all these kids who just took communion, yeah. and how Michael made a sizable donation to this charity. Yeah, where just like which, which I thought was really cool. Um, I'm going to use the, the word juxtaposition again to the first one where – It's the wedding. It's the wedding in right. the first one and, and Vito's doing all his, his business and then it's Michael's son's communion and he's doing business. I don't know what it is about John Chazelle movies but also in The Deer Hunter, the, the first hour is uh-huh. the wedding, is a wedding, right? Really? The first hour, hour. – <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, so I don't know what it is, man. If he's in a movie, there's a big celebration going on ex- for, you know, two exceptions. Right. Um, and and what really kind of kicked for me, I wasn't expecting uh, someone to try to kill Michael. Yes. So, so yeah. you know, that's what kicks this whole that's more, right. the, more of more of Michael's arc off in this yeah. one is that someone tries to kill him. Right. In his home in uh, Lake Tahoe, um, right before he's about to go to bed with uh, Kay. And, he's still uh, married to Kay, which, yeah. again, I would have uh, been like, mm, why? You know? <laughs> why? Yeah. Um, and, and Michael – and what I found so interesting about part two, and, I, and we kind of talked about it earlier, but I, I am leaning more towards part two being my favorite. Yeah. Because Michael immediately knows. I think I know who did this. Yeah. And he tells Tom, like, you're the only one I can trust. And if I'm wrong, these guys are dead anyway. Yeah. He was like, but if I'm right, because you know, he, he names uh, Tom Temporary Don. Yeah. He's like, I'm giving you all my power. Yeah. Because if I'm right, someone needs to be here protecting my family. Right. Which I would add to what happens later in the movie. Uh, Kay should be thankful that Listen, Michael was Kay, trying. Kay should be thankful always <laughs> and forever for everything. Okay? But she's not. You know why? Because, because she's... <laughs> she, Cause she's from Minnesota, isn't she? I don't know. Then she should be more polite. Listen. <laughs> What I'm saying is, it, it's 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 because she's spoiled. It's because she's just ungrateful. That's what she is. Kay mm. is ungrateful, and I wish she had more of a Fargo, Minnesota accent just to really kick off this movie because that would have really made me laugh. Right. So, um, so Michael meets with uh, uh, the, I don't remember his first name, Roth, even though I have it up right. In front oh of yeah, me. yeah. Uh, and and he's pretty certain that Roth's the one who did it. Is it not Simon Roth? No. Uh, Where did I get that from? Hyman Roth. Because it sounds like Simon. Continue. Uh, which I will say they make it <laughs> very obvious that he is Jewish because they continually call him a Jew. Yeah, they do. And I'm like, uh, okay, we get it. He's Jewish. Listen, but- man, they don't like the jizz. Jewish people. Uh, yikes. They, Bob oh. was Jewish. Listen, they, they don't want Jewish people. All right? Yeah. But, yeah, um, Hyman Roth. Yeah. But, you know, so Michael's pretty certain Hyman's the one who did it. Yeah. Um, and he goes and he tells uh, Frankie whatever, the dude who's living in their in his childhood home. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure. He's like, I know it was him. I need you to finish out this deal. Uh, so I can gain his. So we, I can gain his trust. I think this one is more business heavy than uh, the last one, oh, than part one. And you know, I'm not going to say it's boring because that would be rude. 
<laughs> but a lot of it's very dull because it's you know especially when he goes to Havana I, I know it's important I know we need it yeah like the whole part where they're out like where, where it's Roth's birthday and they're eating cake and talking yeah. I'm like I really liked because it it's it's they they want they want respect right and so he needs these people to know this is a fancy cake show the cake before you cut it like mm-hmm. and so the guy has to go and show individually everyone the cake. It's the same thing with the golden phone, right? Oh yeah, everybody right. passes it around. It's it's sort of you know it's status, mm-hmm. it's respect, right? And right. I get it. Very important. I understand. Right. But a lot of it's dull. Right. All right. I'll throw it out there. Um. And so um. So they're yeah. So speaking of Havana, so they're in Havana with with Roth and all the other you know businessmen and Roth's right hand man. Which, as we learned in a previous scene, uh, Fredo was, uh, quote unquote, you know, supposedly uh, unknowing that it was going to be hit against Michael, but he was pretty much the reason it happened. Uh, And I, like, as soon as I saw it happen, I was like, he just, he sold himself out in front of Michael. Um, Because. You know, he tells Michael at one point, like, oh, yeah, no, uh, who's this again? Oh, Johnny. Oh, yeah, I've never met you. And then he goes, like, oh, yeah, Johnny took me here before. And and you see it on Michael's face, like, and he even, like, like with the cigarette, the lit cigarette in his hand, is just like, like. Yeah, there's a really, really good cigarette acting in both movies. Oh, yeah. But anyway. A lot uh, of great cigarette. And then, you know, that's where we get the Fredo kiss because it's, you know, it's New Year's. One of my favorite um, jokes in New Girl is uh, oh, when Schmidt Fredo kisses Nick. <laughs> Nick, it's like just Fredo kiss me, Schmidt, and, and he keeps doing it throughout yeah. the episode. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes is, is the Fredo kiss. Anyway, um, um, but yeah, because it's it, you know it's New Year's, and you know because I'm assuming he does it as a show of like. Because I mean, he tells him, "I know it's it's dominance, it's dominance, and it's you know, it's just I I." I I can't kill you right now, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even when they're leaving Havana, he's like, you're still my brother. Get in the car. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do anything to you. Get in the car. Yeah. And Fredo just, like, <laughs> takes off in the I other like, direction. I don't fix Fredo's such a coward. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and even when, you know, they get back to the States, he tells, I forgot who he told, but he tells someone nothing happens to him until my mom dies. Uh, well, nothing it, happens until my mom or it's, while my mom's alive. Yes, he tells it's not till later because he's trying to figure because now they're you know because when they get back now they're dealing with the Senate coming after the mafia. Right, it's sort of like a McCarthy hearing. Yeah, is what it looks like because that's the only that's the only reference I have in my mind that what that looks like. Right, because it's exactly the same setup. You have the Senate right here, and you do have them. Right, anyway. yeah, and so so he, he he pulls Fredo aside and he's like, what. What can you tell me about what's going on? And Fredo, no help at all. No. I don't know, Michael. Like, I don't know anything. That's a that's a great John Chazelle impression. I, I didn't know it was going to be a hit, Michael. <sighs> he knew. Yeah. Listen, he knew. And if he didn't, he's an idiot. And you know what? He's already an idiot, so he probably just didn't Well, know. and Michael even says that. Like, you should have known. Yeah. Like, wh- they were telling you you were going to get something out of it for, for yourself. You should have known. Yeah. And, um... And, you know, so then we think Michael's fucked 
because uh, the guy who he tells Frankie, the guy who tells to uh, make you know do this deal with the uh, Rosado brothers, uh, tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. They tra- the Rosado brothers try to kill Frankie, but say it was Michael. So he thinks Michael double crossed him. Right. Yeah, and then, uh, and then so we think Michael's fucked. That Michael's going to go to jail. Right. But then Michael. Pulls that little ace up his sleeve and brings his brother in from Sicily, and the guy's yeah. like, "Yeah, no, uh, no, I didn't, uh, no, no, exactly, yeah, yeah it's a, a, it's a good move, <laughs> yeah, real good move." And then he sends his ass back to Sicily, yeah, and because that's all he needed him for, yeah, and he was the one where Harry Dean Stanton was with him, right? Um, uh, one of the uh, FBI guys was that him? Where he was with. The FBI guys in that military camp? Yes. For protection, right? Um, well, I love Harry Dean Stanton, by the way. He doesn't have a name in the movie. Just I, I, think says, just, I think he's just FBI officer yeah, or something. Yeah, something like that. Because he's also military, I think, as well, which is why he was there in the first place. Um, but if you don't know who Harry Dean Stanton is, first off, shame on you. Second off, he is in the he, brilliant film Paris, Texas. He's also in The Green Mile. He's, I mean, he's yeah, in a bunch of everyone's, stuff. He's, he even shows up in uh, the first Avengers movie. He's the security guard. He's like, you know, you came from the sky. You know, green and buck right. naked, and, and then he's like, "Are you an alien?" And um, uh, Mark uh, Ruffalo is like, "No." And he's like, "Well, son, you got a condition." <laughs> That's right. I love Harry. He's also in David Lynch stuff, so he's no. in. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I love Harry Dean Stanton. Anyway, um, he's in the Godfather part. Well, and then and then we get because uh, you know then Michael when he comes back from Sicily, no Sicily. Um, Havana, he learns that Kay had a miscarriage. Yeah. Come to find out, and I, and in my opinion, this is when I was like, okay, Kay's a bitch. Well, and also, you could read this either way, that she was either lying to him um, just to hurt his feelings, <laughs> which is a total Kay move, by the way, because <laughs> Kay's the worst. You know, she uh, she's so ungrateful. Anyway. Um, so should I just call this episode Fredo and Kay are the worst? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have a couple of uh, suggestions about the title. We'll talk about that off mic, but um, uh, but so so she tells Michael that she had uh, she had an abortion, yeah, because uh, Michael is so evil. She didn't want to bring another child into this world, yeah. Which, if she was telling the truth, what does that say about the other two kids she's had with Michael? Yeah, I was like, I only got two, you know, like, more. Yeah, like you know? I, I was like, okay, bitch, like you already have two kids with them. Like, why does this one specifically? Like, I like to read it as as she was lying to hurt just to hurt Michael. You know well, doesn't I mean? he tell her like why do you why do you hurt me? Right. Um, and then you know I I will I'll be honest I was not expecting him to like bitch slap her across like that forcefully too. He knocks over a chair and just yeah smacks her. This is not going to be a popular thing to say, but she deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I'm I'm not gonna agree or disagree. <laughs> me me too aside. I say she had it coming, and um, I mean, come on, <laughs> Kay, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so so somehow Michael gets uh, custody of his kids, Anthony and Mary. Right. What's his daughter's name? Mary. Um, I don't remember. I'm gonna say it's Mary. Okay, I'm sure um, you're right. And then. Uh, their mom dies. Mm-hmm. Um, Mama Coriolani dies, and um, Connie, Michael. Uh, you know, in the previous scene, Michael refuses to be in the same room as Fredo, and Connie comes to Michael and is like, "Just forgive him, please. Yeah, yeah. Forgive him." And we think he does because he goes. He goes into the wake. Can I tell you? 
re- I forgot about this scene, so rewatching it, um, I was just like, ugh, Michael, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, that's your first reaction, right? It's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Fredo's the worst person <laughs> on the planet. You can't trust him. He's an idiot, right? Yeah. But then he, and you're right. This is when he says nothing happens to him while my mother's alive. And well, no, it's still, well, it's actually. Is that still later? No, no. So at the, at the wake, it's, uh, this is, um, he says that. Before the wake, right? So, oh, this was the wake. Yes, you are he says that before the wake. He because you know he's talking with Fredo about like what can you tell me about this trial? Then he disowns him. You're right. Disowns him and he tells. I think his name is Al. He tells him nothing happens to him while my mother's alive. Oh, right, and that's what made this quote, this quasi reconciliation, so painful for me because I was like, buddy, you said you were gonna take care of this guy. Well, he even makes eye contact with Al while he's hugging him. He's like, right, and then that's when I was like, okay, we're good. Because I think he was telling yeah. him, not right now. Right. Like, Later. Just, yeah. Which he does. You know, because uh, so then like, so then you think like, okay, Fredo is, you know, he's Scott clean. Like he's still going to be involved in the family. Uh, Bummer. Yeah. And then uh, he's teaching Anthony how to fish. Right. Uh, like a good uncle. I'll say that. Like a good uncle. He's teaching him how to fish. I guess. And then... Um, and then, like, I knew it was coming when Connie goes, oh, like, Fredo, what are you doing? Oh, we're going fishing. Well, no, Michael needs to take Anthony to Reno. And yeah. he's like, like, well, kid, your pop's going to take you to Reno. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. And he rides out with Al, and then you just see the gun. Yeah. And 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 what I think was so beautiful is you don't see it. You right. just, you hear it. Right. You see the gun. You see the gun. Like, the, the camera's focusing on Fredo, but you see the gun out of frame right. just a little bit then the camera goes back to Michael yeah. who's looking out the, the bay windows and yeah. you just hear <laughs> which um, for those of you who have the the DVD or Blu-ray box set that's the title um, yes the menu the, yeah. the menu scene of, of him looking out of him looking out the window yeah. yeah and then and then you cut back and Fredo's slumped over right and they're almost completely silhouetted like you can't really see Details mm-hmm. because the the sun is behind them, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're anyway. It's, yeah. it's beautifully shot. And then, like you said, you know, we, we get to the the flashback of 1941, and then it cuts back to Michael, right? And he's deep in introspection, and he's just trying to figure out, you know, where he's. And we don't really know how much time has passed between Fredo's death and d- now, and now, right? And the very end of the film, we can just tell that he that Michael is visibly older. Yeah. He's got gray in his hair. Yeah. Some wrinkles underneath his eyes, and it just zooms in on him, and it just and it ends, and it just ends, and it's and it's so brilliant. And then you know, sixteen years later, they ruin it. But uh, <laughs> but for sixteen years, it was so brilliant, right? And yeah. it was like that was a perfect end to that, to that story. story, right? right. Exactly. Yeah, and I I I don't think I mean like. You know, I know I th- I'm sure we've talked about it is that, you know, sometimes sequels aren't always good, you know, that's true. But I would definitely say The Godfather Part Two is Listen, we've all seen Men in Black, Two. I completely get it. <laughs> OK, sometimes they're bad. I understand. I mean, Men in Black, Two wasn't bad. Oh, Men in Black, Three was pushing it. OK, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> oh, God. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you you think Men in Black 2 was a good movie? It was a good movie. Oh, my God. Three, like I said, three was pushing it. This is insane. I, I, I refuse to watch Men in Black International if that makes you feel any better. No. Because it doesn't make me feel better. You I know why? Don't because see you've that. seen and you've enjoyed Men in Black 2. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones was back. I don't care. 
Tom, Will Smith and Tommy Jones are perfect together. Yeah. There's a lot that they changed that I didn't like, but uh, I liked it. Uh, okay, like, what's a what's a sequel that I've seen that will get you back in my good, get me back in your good graces? Um, I'll tell you this: it's not going to work. Yeah, let me <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, what about Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows? <sighs> I didn't like Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows. <laughs> I did actually kind of like Sherlock Holmes okay. Game of Shadows. Okay. But hold on, because we're talking about ones that are terrible. So, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so, but no, but I, I, I believe The Godfather Part Two is it's, it is, it's an amazing sequel because, as you said, it doubles as a prequel. It, yeah. And, and, and it, it gives us so much information that, that was hinted at in Part One. Yeah. Uh, m- more so on Vito's backstory, right? Um, that if, we got to see, and I think it's just because it's all in the novel, right? right. The this new Reno Michael story is all created for the movie, right? right? The, the Vito backstory is from the novel. I mean, he had help from the from the author, of course, right? Mario, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. Is I forgot his name is Mario. Oh, but so, so. I do. I do want to talk about the the differences between family and the family. Go for it. Most people, you should when people when you hear people say the family, you should assume that it's 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 the mob, because um, you know as we were just watching uh, that video earlier, the, as they were talking about family and the family, um, <laughs> how they described it, it's like saying Facebook and the Facebook. <laughs> uh, but no, so the family, you know, is. You know, I've always really liked that term to describe the mob Mm -hmm. because it implies almost like this homey feel, you know. It does. It does give it a, you know, some I mean, this is basically the same word again, but familiarity. Right. They are. They are a unit, a single unit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, It establishes trust. And respect. Yeah, you're, you're trusting these people who are not blood related to you, right? But you're trusting them as they as if they were your family, exactly. Your direct blood family. And I've I've always I've always found that term just so interesting, and and how family and the family almost mean virtually the same thing, but they are completely different, right? You know. Um, and we see this in The Godfather where Michael's family tends his blood family, his actual, you know, wife and children do take the the brunt of mm-hmm. his life, right? Like they get the short end. Especially in part two when, yeah. when the, the, the attempt is made. Right. You know, because, uh, you know, he doesn't just have a house. He has a compound. Yeah. And, you know... I never like the term compound. I always associate it with like cults, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> right? <true>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like the Waco one, or you know, the Jim Jones one, or or just I've always associated compound with like prison. Oh, mm. you know what? Also, is a compound. Um, uh, Bin Laden's place was a compound. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just remember that. That's and uh, that was in Zero Dark Thirty. They were like, "Oh, it's in the compound." It's like, "Oh, a compound." That's not a good word. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you have a compound, chances are you're like a Bond villain. Okay. Yeah, you're. you're, you're regular sh- people, regular nice people, don't have compounds. You're stroking a cat in a swivel chair. Not his cat was a stray cat on set. 
by the way. They, really? Just, I was going to ask about that. He just where picked he, up. And, so he just picks up the... So I'm assuming he found it before they started filming. Yeah. And then was just like, hey, I'm going to use this in the scene, by the way. I don't think he asked. He just... He was just... Because, like... They didn't it, notice until they started rolling. They were like, is he, is he only a cat? <laughs> it's like, all right. And, I and it turns t- out to be one of the most iconic things about the scene. Yeah, because he strokes it for a little bit, and then he puts it down, and you never see that cat ever again. Not a part of the production. Um, That's why. Uh, now, one more thing I wanted to touch on uh, before we before we end the episode, because we're, we're at the uh, minute 35 mark. Oh, not minute 35. I'm a dunce. Hour 35. Hour 35. Because um, we're talking about off mic is the oranges, because I feel like oranges have become synonymous with the mm. Godfather. A lot of people have associated it with, and, you know, rightfully so, they have every right to believe this. With that, that someone's going to die. Right. That it is foreshadowing death. Right. Um, even Darren Aronofsky in Requiem for a Dream mm. uses an orange to foreshadow something terrible is about to happen. Um, um, don't judge me. I don't know if I've showed it to you, but the the short film that I worked on with uh, my friend Alex yeah. called Popsicles. Um, <laughs> we're filming at one of his uh, church friend's house. I wouldn't call it a house. It's more so just like a compound. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm it sorry. Was, it, was, it was more like a hut because like. Brief backstory. Uh, he bought this land from someone who was trying to build a house, but they'd only built the living room, kitchen, and like uh, a washing up room. And then, then this person was like, eh, you know, what? I don't want to live out there anymore. And so they sold it. So it's more just like a like a hangout because there there is no bedroom. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing like that. Yeah. Anyway, so we're filming uh, popsicles. I'm not gonna. I highly doubt anyone listening has probably seen it. I've seen it. You've seen Popsicles? I think so. The one where... Yeah, yeah. Well, at least I know the story, and I don't remember who told me the story. It was probably me. Okay. Yeah. Was, okay. Well, great. It was probably me. Listen, I know the synopsis <laughs> of, of this this uh, this short well, video. Well, anyway, Alex had a great idea. Uh, one of the scenes, uh, we're, we're filming... Um, like the bad guys, and Alex del- <laughs> deliberately put a baby orange on the table, like right. So the so the, the main bad guy well, is hold on. force perspective to make it look like it's bigger, or it's an actual just baby orange. It's on the an table. actual baby orange. Okay. So he put it on the table, and uh, like so, the, so the, like the leader of the bad guys is cleaning his gun, and it's just right there. And and he even said he's like, yeah, we could do the Godfather and just. Put the orange. Put the little orange right there, because he's like, "You're gonna die anyway." So, <laughs> so it's <laughs> no judgment. I'm actually more upset that it's not a full size orange. Well, no, just not forced perspective to make it look like a big orange. But anyway, well, <laughs> that would have been fun and so unnecessary. <laughs> you know, just get a big orange. You well, I, mean? I think it was the I think the guy who owned this house. That's all he had. Hut. Shack. Shack. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Shack. Yeah, there we go. You're, what you're describing is like that, um, this this hollowed out shack in Begotten. It's this, uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's uh-huh. this very strange, surrealist horror film. And it's, anyway, it's crazy. It's the guy who did Shadow of the Vampire with uh, Willem Dafoe. Oh, okay. and uh, Or it's like a quasi-real story. Yeah, about the making of Nosferatu. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Begotten is like nuts. I mean, it's so crazy. But anyway, it's in the side. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> the oranges. The oranges. So, it was the cinematographer's idea to put oranges in there. Really? Would you like to know why? I think you told me. It's dark. The yeah. movie's dark, literally. I mean, the 
the set design is very dark. And so to liven up and to brighten it up, they would put oranges in there. Yeah. So not every time you see an orange, someone dies. It's just every time someone dies, there just happens to be an orange. Right. Because doesn't Michael come home with oranges in part two at one point, but no one dies? Probably. And that's why, because they're just like, you know, it's still really dark. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're keeping the same theme, so might as well just do. Well, see, and I, thought, and I thought in one of the flashbacks, Vito comes home with an orange. But then I see the subtitle, and his wife's like, oh, what a nice pair. Because I couldn't tell what it was. Oh, right. And I was like, oh, shit, he's got an orange. Because I was even like, oh, shit, someone's about to die. And then his wife was like, oh, what a nice pair. I was like, oh, I was like, oh okay, it's a pair. <laughs> that's so funny. Because uh, yeah, how so, he was holding it, all I could see was the round part. Oh, yeah. I couldn't see the smaller round part you know how do you even eat a pear anyway just eat it like an apple that's yeah. what i've always been told okay because in in the house that jack built um lars von Trier's newest film um jack eats a pear and does he does eat, eat it like an apple does he eat like of. a psycho no um he's a serial killer but that doesn't make him a bad person brain <laughs> anyway um so no but he is eating this this pear he doesn't finish the pear he gets frustrated with the story he's trying to open but um he's eating it kind of like an apple upside down kind of like in in Godfather so he so the the pointy part the pointier part uh-huh. is in his palm right and he's eating the fat right. part oh okay okay gotcha I guess that's how you eat a pear honestly I've never eaten a pear I can honestly say that never eaten a pear <laughs> I, I mean don't know slices whether, of pears I don't know whether to be proud of that or ashamed <laughs> Uh, I'm sure someone out there is like, I can't believe you never eaten. This, this guy's never eaten a pear. This guy never eaten. I have also never eaten. I have never peeled and eaten a full banana. What? <laughs> now see, now that I'm gonna judge you. I mean, and, and according to how everyone says it, uh, I apparently have always peeled my bananas uh, the wrong way. Yeah, you need to do it like the like the monkeys do. But I'm not a monkey. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking Supposedly, peel my banana. You're supposed to be smarter, but you're not. You're I'm not gonna peel your bananas like you are. I'm gonna peel my banana from the top part where it gets fucking broken off. That's insane. That's how is that not what? That's insane. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm sorry. Coming from the person who's, who's never, never eaten a banana. I get it. Okay, I got it. Oh my lord. I'm not an expert on bananas. Okay. I, I, and I think this is a good way to end the episode on bananas. Yeah. Right. Uh, so if you haven't seen The Godfather 1 or 2, watch Sorry them we now. Sorry it for you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, you know, it's a 40-year-old movie. I don't, I don't, ashamed, I'm not ashamed for That's it. That's true. Um, but go watch it. Uh, we hope you enjoy our analysis of it. And hopefully you understood that uh, the character of Fredo is the worst. God, I hate Fredo so much. Uh, the episode might be called We Hate Fredo, uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, well, we hope you enjoyed the episode, and there will not be another two-week gap. We'll talk about Yeah. See ya. See ya.